Hi and welcome to my podcast, Pure Happy Healthy. My name is Dandra Haupt and I'm your host. Today I have an interview guest for you here on my show. His name is Brad Hals and he's a practitioner and a teacher in the different fields of alternative healing. And he is also an expert in all kinds of nutritional practices. And he will give us a really good overview of all the different practices he does and give us the pros and the cons of the different diets that are out there. But before we start this conversation, I got really exciting news for you, especially fitting to today's podcast topic about nutrition and health. I'm really happy to announce that over the past month, I've prepared my coaching business and now you can apply for me being your coach for intuitive eating, establishing a healthy relationship with your body and tuning into yourself for lots of self-love. If you would like to have more information on that, please tune in on my website www.leandra-haupt.com. I will link that in the show notes as well. There you can find all the information of what I offer and what you can get, what you can learn from my coaching and how you can apply. So without further ado, we will start with that wonderful and very educating talk now with Brett Haas. Hi and welcome, Brett. I'm super honored to have you in my show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about everything that we're going to get into today. Yeah, cool. Before we dive in, just the short little questions to get a bit warmed up. What did you have for breakfast this morning? I have had nothing for breakfast so far. Um, I usually don't have any breakfast. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. I was <laughs> hoping to talk about something like this later. So yeah, cool. I'm very excited. You're an expert and a practitioner of so many alternative and natural medicine fields. Uh, amongst them Ayurveda, homeopathy, energy psychology and many, many more. I would be very interested in you telling us a little bit about all the uh, practices that you do and maybe a short overview on what it is. Sure. Um, I think for me, uh, I, I always say to people I do my core, you know, the core things that I work on are mostly clinical nutrition, so holistic nutrition, which is very personalized. Um, you know, it's not looking at food guides or anything like that. It's really tailored to what's going on with the person. And then within that, I look at therapeutic like foods and diets. So to maybe address things that people are dealing with right now. And then also what's called the constitutional diets. And so constitutional diets are more long-term diets, right? So, so once you've sort of healed whatever it is you're trying to fix, um, then you get onto something that's more of a long-term maintenance plan kind of thing. So nutrition is, is really a focal point for me. Um, but also functional medicine is, is a big part of what I do in clinic. Um, functional medicine for people who don't know what it is, because it's fairly new, it, it blends the best of science with the best of nature. So what we would do is we would look at running uh, lab testing that evaluates how your body functions and then we're going to use mostly natural therapies to restore function 
That's how I sort of frame functional medicine. So when you think about it like that, um, we're running lab testing and, and a lot of the lab tests I run, uh, doctors for the most part are not running those at all. Um, they're not looking at it from a broader perspective. So when we run those tests, we're running those tests to see how well your, um, you know, even down to the cellular level. So are, are, do you have nutrient deficiencies? How well is your mitochondria working? Do you have oxidative stress? So there's a whole bunch of things, stool testing, hormone testing. So we do all of that, but then we're actually using diets, nutritional supplements, and so on to kind of correct things. Um, to your other part of the question, um, I've done iridology for many years. So I've studied two different types of iridology. That's really the study of the iris. And so, you know, a lot of your listeners might be familiar with the eyes are the window to the soul. Um, your eyes are also a map to your body. And so we can actually see through the eyes um, different, I wouldn't say conditions because we don't use it to diagnose. It's more of an analytical tool. So we can see things like inflammation, organ weakness, um, over acidity, uh, low stomach acid. So there's those types of things that we would look at. You know, the way I look at my practice is I've got a very wide toolkit. And so I sort of bring into the fold whatever it is that people need. And that's where you start getting into things like energy psychology, Vedic psychology. I've actually lived with indigenous people in many different places in the world, uh, but I s still work with First Nations people here in Canada. And um, I've been doing that for 12 years now. So there's always a spiritual element as well. And I find that for, for a lot of people that come in, you know, you, they've already figured out their diets. They've, they're already doing all the right things. And it's actually more of an emotional, um, sometimes even spiritual or shamanic um, kind of issue, if you want to call it that, that's going on. And sometimes just talking about that um, really helps them move the needle with, with their health. So let me just sum that up again. Your client mm. comes and then you make a lot of analytics um, with them. And then you just really pick one of your practices that you feel suits that person the best to heal that person. Yeah, you know, it's it's actually, I feel everything is just there. So it's it's usually not just picking one thing. It's just picking out what you need and what, what someone needs, you know. So oftentimes you will find that for some people, they don't even want to talk about the emotional stuff right out the gate you know it's too much so for them it's just you know eat more fruits and vegetables or whatever the case and then as you get further down the road maybe you're going to get into um the mental health or emotional side of things uh, but you know it's it's um like ayurveda you know we didn't even touch on that but ayurveda is is one of the oldest um healing modalities in the world uh from india And so, some actually say that the Chinese got their medicine from the Indians. So when you get into Ayurveda, it's a whole different system altogether uh, where you're looking at um, body types, you're looking at the environment around you, you're looking at psychological predispositions for those body types. So, you know, that kind of thing as well. Like I don't practice that in its, in its own way, but I can draw from it. You know, so oftentimes I'll draw on it and I'll look at someone and say, well, you know, you, you're underweight and you're eating too many salads and smoothies and raw foods. You know, that's not, that's not right for your body type. You should be eating these types of foods. And so that kind of helps people understand things a little bit better. Um, and also it helps me because you, you're viewing it from a very different way where I think a lot of the, the trap that people fall into is that they, um, they try they subscribe to one way of living and one way of being. And then they think that everyone should do the same thing. 
and, and it just doesn't work for everyone. You know, that's why you've got people that are thriving on raw vegan diets and you've got other people that are thriving on keto diets, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. I'm a big fan of intuitive eating and learning what your body actually needs because, as you just said, every single person is so different and I think everybody has different needs. And besides like a few factors, I would say sugar is probably not good for anyone, alcohol yeah. is not good for anyone and all these processed foods. But besides that, there is like so much variety in all the diets and in all different kinds of healing that you will just pick out what suits best for you. Um, so would you say there is certain practices that go together really well, let's say homeopathy and Ayurveda, or are there some that you shouldn't maybe combine because they cancel each other out? You know, it's, it's actually a very good question because I find that, you know, having taught practitioners for many years as well, um, you know, I, I taught at a, one of the top schools in Canada And that's a trap that they would fall into is they'd be like, well, I'm learning the science part of it. And then I'm learning the Ayurveda part of it, which is like a completely different system. How do I put the two together? So sometimes, yeah, you're right. They don't go together. They're not necessarily the best. Um, I find that um, Ayurveda kind of sits out on its own, you know, because if you just think about it from a different way, uh, like raw food, right? So raw food makes a lot of sense if you think about um, you know, don't cook your food, there's more enzymes, there's more nutrient preservation, um, you haven't altered or denatured the food, and you can keep going on, right? But fr from an energetic standpoint, a raw food diet has very, very specific properties. It's very, it's very cool. So it very cools the body a lot. It's very tends to be very dry and very rough. So now when you start looking at that, and you say, well, like, there's a constitution in Ayurveda, there's a specific body type, that from an energetic standpoint has rough, dry, and cold, right? So can you imagine if I'm sitting in Canada and I have that body type that's rough, dry, and cold, and it's the middle of winter that is rough, dry, and cold, and I'm eating a diet that is rough, dry, and cold, what's going to happen is your body's going to get rough, dry, and cold. I want to look at it from a, from a completely different um, angle and say, well, I want to have foods that do the opposite. So I want foods that are warm. I want foods that are... Um, that have lots of good fats that are more grounding, okay? And that works very well for those types of people. So so now if you try and squeeze that into a Western model, and now how do you reconcile um, like a raw vegan diet and then a keto diet? When you put that into an Ayurvedic model, it doesn't work at all. But to your second part of your question, um, I've actually found that there are certain things that go very well together. And for me personally, um, Ayurveda and Ayurvedology go very well together. Mm. So there's different ways of practicing iridology. Most people are, are familiar with uh, what's called applied iridology, which is just a very physical thing. You know, you look in the body and you can see if there's inflammation or organ you know, insufficiency or whatever the case. But when you layer holistic iridology on top of that, now you start getting into different organs uh, have different emotions attached to them. Then you start getting very interesting. So your adrenal glands and your kidneys have lots of, that's where you store a lot of fear. Our lungs, it's where we store a lot of grief and a lot of sadness. It happens to be right where our heart is. Um, if you think about our throats, you know, now you start layering chakras over that as well, if that makes any sense. Um, so, so when you look at the chakras, the chakra points from the top, right? You got the seven energy points all the way down. 
And then you can see all of this in iridology. And then when you put Ayurveda into the mix, which is loosely based on chakra systems as well, all of a sudden it's just this crazy tapestry that goes together. And I've, I've actually found in my experience that when you start speaking to the emotional side of what you see in the eye, all of a sudden people go, whoa, like it, it's, it's just such a light bulb for people because they never ever thought that their liver issues are because of their anger issues. Mm. Right. Or they never thought their kidney issues were because of their relationships. Yeah. Or that their lung issues are because of, you know, a parent that died 10 years ago and they never really dealt with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting. I think the, all the concept of holistic health that, yeah, basically everything that happens to us in life is connected to our um, body health and also to the organs and how it showcases to everything. And um, you were just saying something really interesting that um, every organ stands for something and you said the lungs are for sadness and grief. So would you say that let's um the epidemic which we have now with corona is really highly affecting the lungs would you expand that on a bigger level as well like would you say the world suffers of yeah. sadness and grief you know it's an interest that's an interesting question and i mean i'm i would consider myself somewhat esoteric in in many senses and i do talk about that kind of stuff a lot um so to your question I think, yes, I mean, I think that what's going on right now is is a reflection of how unbalanced we are in terms of our relationship with the world around us. You know, so, so if we talk about um, grief and sadness, I think, you know, yes, I would agree with you. I think I would also have to then ask, well, what is the source of that grief and sadness? It might be our disconnection with ourselves, to, to be honest, and, and our disconnection with spirit, our disconnection with the world around us. You know, I think that as, as modern societies, we're completely disconnected from nature, completely disconnected from the world around us. And if you get into things like economics, you know, we always talk about the natural world as what's called an externality. You know, the, the natural world just doesn't even, it's not even part of the economy, but everything that we do and the way that we live, live our lives is, um, it comes from the natural world. You know, the, the, the technology that we're talking on right now comes from the natural world. And so I think that when you talk about grief and sadness um, and how it's affecting us right now, I, I would say sure, um, because of that disconnect. But I think if I have to take an even bigger step back, uh, the, this is really a reflection of how unbalanced we are living. And, mm. and I think that the systems that we have in place um, are not sustainable at all. Completely you know, agreed. Whether, yeah, yeah. Whether, whether that's like whether you want to talk about food production, whether you want to talk about economics, but also just take a look at people's health. So you know, and and why are why do we have those diseases? Why are they modern diseases? Because we're not living in line with nature. But I think it showcases us really well that it's really time for a change and not only return back inwards to ourselves, but also return back to nature and. Also, finding alternative um, medicine and alternative ways of healing, which, um, yeah, could be the, the ones that you addressed, but um, also could be a healthier food or generally a healthier lifestyle. Um, so you were already saying that like food is such a big part, not only the food production, but also the food that we take in ourselves every single day and that basically make up 
our whole body and our whole system. Um, so there are so, so, so many diets and so many different ways. And I guess every person just has to find his or her approach on, on food as well. But um, yeah, maybe you want to start with explaining a little bit what different diets there are, what um, maybe is your view on them, let's say the ketogenic or um, the paleo um, yeah, or the yeah. raw food. Um, how do how do you see them and what health benefits could they have for us? So if you just cut out all of the processed foods, if you cut out the excess sugar, if you eat more of a whole foods diet, whatever that whole foods diet is, whether it's raw food, whether it's keto, whatever it is, if you just start eating a whole foods diet right out the gate, you're going to notice a big difference, right? And I think the, prob the, the problem that a lot of people find themselves in is they don't want to eat a whole foods diet, but they still want to have the benefits of eating a whole foods diet, right? So then they start eating more meat and eggs and bacon and eat more fat, but then they're still eating lots of sugar on the side. So um, I think that's an important point for people to realize is that starting with a whole foods diet um, is, is one thing, right? The next thing that I think from a general standpoint, sugar, you know, you mentioned it earlier, sugar is the one thing I think everyone from a neurosurgeon to a health coach would agree is not good for anyone. So cutting out sugar or at least keeping it very, very low in the diet and then looking at things like uh, honey, maple syrup, um, stevia, like more natural sugars, coconut sugar, stuff like that is obviously a better way to go. Um, so now uh, the other thing that I think is important for people and something that I'm actually personally have experimented with, but I'm sort of getting back into it more is seasonal eating. Right, so eating what's actually around you, and you know, there's another diet that's called the hundred mile diet, and um, the hundred mile diet is basically eat whatever's grown within a hundred miles mm. of you. And so, I think that's a very interesting concept because if you think about historically throughout history, we all would have eaten seasonally, but it's not always available to people in a in a um, you know in the Western world. One of the biggest things that we're seeing now is uh, you know we have to consider food production. Right. So if you consider the genetic modification of grains, if you consider how much chemicals we use, that if we're not eating organic and if we're eating lots of grains, if we're eating lots of legumes, um, normally those foods don't pose too many problems for people. But for a lot of people, they're consuming Roundup every day and that can cause problems. So, so not to bog us down, but that is why I think is part of the reason why the paleo um, movement has taken off. Um, so, you know, if you look at people are just thriving on a paleo diet, a paleo diet, for those who don't know, is, um, you know, there's a lot of nuances, but simply put, it's more of a meat, fish, eggs, vegetables, fruits kind of diet, right? We don't eat, the big ones that we exclude are going to be grains and beans. Um, actually, going off grains is a very, very good thing um, in the beginning. And a lot of people will, will notice right away that their gut really starts feeling different within a matter of a week or two. So, so that's part of why the paleo movement is taken off. Yeah, um, I see also food as something more like a lifestyle and nothing that we should do for a short amount of time. That's yeah. why I am a big fan of intuitive eating or also just by uh, trial and error, basically find out what's, what's good for your body. But I think there are so many people out there that are just bombarded by all the media telling them here's this diet then there's that diet you know like you said you could make a single podcast about every single one of them probably like 
more than more than just one podcast. As a normal consumer who maybe has lost a little bit of that intuition, what feels good for my body, how can I actually find the way of nutrition that is good for me? How do I get back? How do I get this instinct back or like that feeling for my body? Yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, I think the, the 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 number one thing you can do is just cut out the processed foods, cut out the sugars. People are eating lots of carbohydrates. They're eating all the time. So they're grazing and snacking all the time. Your insulin never, ever goes down, mm. right? The way that nature intended was for your insulin to go up when you eat, your insulin to go down while you're not eating. And then when it gets low and your blood sugar gets low, oh, I want to eat. I eat, my blood sugar goes back up. There's an ebb and a flow to how insulin functions in your body. And what's happening now is people are eating way too many carbohydrates. They're eating too often. They're eating too much. Now, I want to bring in something else because we're all under a lot of stress right now. Okay, um, Everyone around the world is collectively in this stress mode. When you get stressed out, you, you release stress hormones, right? The, the big, big stress hormone most people are probably aware of is something called cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. What does it do? One of the things, it does many, many things. One of the things that it does is it tells your body to make sugar. Okay. So can you imagine if I'm stressed out, right? My stress hormones are firing the whole time, which is telling my body to make sugar. Then as an emotional eater who's stressed out, what do I like to eat? Sugar. Okay. And also because I'm stressed out, I'm going to have a few more drinks than I normally would. So I'm going to have more sugar. And now my insulin levels are going to be all over the map. Just cut, cut them back in the diet and emphasize proteins, emphasize fats, emphasize fiber. Okay, those three things right there are going to stabilize blood sugar. And when you stabilize your blood sugar, guess what happens? You actually support your stress and your adrenal glands. Mm. Yeah, yes, so you interesting. You know, what I mean? like, you know what I mean? So you're more grounded and you're more centered and you can actually be a lot more rational in times of stress. Yeah, it's so interesting that we see again and again that it's all interconnected, like your psychological well-being and your stress level have such a big impact on your body and then also on your eating habits and then your eating habits again on your psycholog psychology and your mindset and everything. Um, so yeah, it just shows us how important all these aspects are again. I was linking that to what you said in the beginning that you didn't have breakfast. So I suppose... Right you um are on a like on some sort of fast would you like to link in again with this that kind of eating yeah. behavior i've been doing it for a while now and i find that that works for me right it works well for me but um what i would encourage people to do is to right out the gates just focus on three meals a day all right so eat a good breakfast lots of protein lunch dinner Okay, if you're a grazer and you're, you're a person that's used to eating like three meals a day, three snacks a day, that'll be a challenge for you to just get on three meals a day. But that's what you should be shooting for initially. Keep the carbohydrates moderate. Focus on proteins, fats, and fiber. As you get into that, what's going to happen is you're going to feel your blood sugar is going to get more stabilized. You're going to feel like your energy levels are better. Um, they're more balanced. That's when you can start ex then experimenting with dropping breakfast out. Now, um, Again, another, so that's how it works, right? And I'm there, like it just, I've been doing it for a while. You shouldn't just go from what you're doing now and try and go, you know, 180 um, onto a very, very, um, I wouldn't say restrictive diet, but a very extreme diet if you've never done it before. 
in in your way of practicing with which is based about um alternative medicine also coming from um a lot from nature um very alternative practices i'm sure there's a lot of skepticism how do you deal with that like what do you say to people who are skeptic towards these kind of methods yeah i mean um it's a good question and you're 100% correct uh, i i think i have a lot to say on that um that sort of falls possibly even outside of the healthcare um, space. I just think we live in an age where people are skeptical of everything. People that are skeptical usually have never, ever looked into it. Um, they typically don't really know what they're talking about at all. And what's interesting is, you know, just because we can't understand something doesn't mean that it's not correct, right? And I think a good, a good example to, you know, a good example here If you think about how much we can see in the visual spectrum of light, we can see a, a, a fraction of the visual spectrum of light. If you think about our auditory, you know, so sound frequencies, we can hear just a fraction of that. So there is, you know, your mind itself is 90% subconscious. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's going on that's out of your awareness. Does that mean it doesn't exist? Does that mean it's wrong? Does it mean that energy is wrong? You know, because when you look at how the animals are, the animals have this other sense that we don't have, or at least they're tapped into it. So coming back to your question, um, the way that I personally deal with it, I find that through all the years of practice and teaching and all of that, um, I find that I don't deal with as much skepticism because I know what I'm talking about, so I can actually address it head on. And I don't claim to know everything. You know, I just think that if, if you look at it a different way, um, marrying the best of science with cutting-edge lab testing and then using nature, using food, using nutraceuticals, the scientific model says that if you do A plus B, it equals C. And every time you do A plus B, it must equal C, right? But in a holistic model, if everyone is a little bit different from one another, A plus B is not always going to equal C. It just means that sometimes I might have to do A plus D to get to C for you. Right. It's just a different way of thinking about it. Yeah, I love that nowadays we have all that knowledge about so many different things and we actually would be able to combine all of them. But then there are so much so many opponents still of alternative ways of healing. And I think um, we don't have to cut out either or we can just no. combine all of them together. And that's really the best out of it and just whatever the person needs. So I think your work is so amazing because you just really combine all this together and just see whatever the person needs and then just find the best solution of all your toolkit, as you call it. Um, yeah. To heal that person, th because that should really be the goal, right? Yeah, well, I, th I think there's also another important distinction to make, and that is, you know, there's a time and a place for everything, right? So I'm not, you know, anti-medicine per se, um, and I also don't think that holistic healing has all the answers either. I think that we need to look at what are the strengths of each of those exactly. ways of, of practicing, right? Yeah. But the, the, the downfall of Western medicine is that the whole model is not based on prevention, first of all, and the whole model is not catered towards chronic degenerative disease. You can just combine the two of them and whatever is needed in that moment, you should just go for it. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I always have two last uh, questions on my podcast. Um, so one of them is, what is a pure, happy, healthy life for you? 
for me, well, I'm, I'm very much a family man. So I, I love mm-hmm. spending time with family. Um, that works for me. And also, uh, I moved out of the city about four years ago. So I live in a small town. Um, I've got forest around me. I've got nature. So for me, um, I'm living more of a simple life, to be honest. Um, that, that makes me feel good, uh, getting out into nature, um, trying not to be too busy. And that's, that, that's a happy, peaceful life for me, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Sounds amazing. <laughs> and do you have any book or any podcast, I mean, besides of yours, um, any movie that was really a game changer for you that really changed your perspective or your knowledge? One teacher, I'll just sort of put his name out there. Do- Dr. Bernard Jensen is pretty much one of the nutritional pioneers from back in the day. Um, I've, he was the, he was the guy that brought iridology to where it is nowadays. Um, you know, uh, brilliant man. I mean, 350,000 patients in his life. Um, you know, that's a lot of people, by the way, 350,000 personal patients in his life. Uh, he wrote 70 books. Uh, he lectured around the world and he cured himself of cancer at the age of 85. Wow. Um, one book that I think also really, you know, going back a little bit now that really shaped the way I see things a little bit more um, is a book called The Biology of Belief mm-hmm. um, by a guy named Dr. Bruce Lipton. And The Biology of Belief is very interesting because it taps into how your environment affects your genetic expression. Oh. So, so it's You know, if you just think about it, your environment, right? If you're in a stressful environment, you're probably not going to be the most pleasant person to be around. But there's now actually, there's actually cellular expression that we can look at. So go check him out. It's a really good book, Biology of Belief. Um, you know, it's changing your beliefs and changing the way you see the world ultimately changes the way your physical body works as well. Mm, wonderful. Thank you. I will definitely also link these in the show notes so people can um, get acknowledged with that. Yeah. Thank you so much again for being on my show that brought so much knowledge, even though I could probably talk <laughs> forever with you about all these different topics. I think each of them deserves minimum one own podcast um, episode, yeah. but um, I'm happy we could create a little overview on um, all these different alternative methods that are out there and that actually can help and also about the different forms of um, of diets and the advantages and disadvantages of that. So I hope that brought some clarity to my listeners. Thank you again. Is there any last message you want to get out there before? No, you leave? I think, I think that's it. I mean, it's always a good time talking about this stuff and yeah, you're right. There's just so many, we could talk about things for hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think for a lot of people, my only message would be don't, don't try and overcomplicate things. Um, you know, it's very easy to go down the rabbit hole with all of this stuff. Uh, just stick to the basics and start with the whole foods diet. And, um, you know, the, the, the 80-20 rule is, um, is, is what I look at, you know. So if you can do the right thing, whatever that is for you, 80% of the time, don't worry about the other 20%, okay? Because you've got to live a, a little bit one. as well. Exactly. Uh, there's no, no sense <laughs> of being so restrictive that you're not having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a good one <laughs> thank you yeah. all right uh, thank you so okay. much i'm sure i could have kept on talking with brett for many 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 more hours there's just so much wisdom about all the different fields that he's working with and all the different 
eating habits and ways of eating but yeah we had to keep it as an overview here but if you want to get to know more about that topic you can contact him i will link everything about him in the show notes and obviously also his book recommendation and as i was saying again if you want to get in touch with me about my coachings please visit my website and also please get in touch with me on Instagram if you have any question and I'm always super super happy to hear from you. You can leave a note under today's post what you thought about this, what you've taken for yourself and what you've learned and yeah I'm really happy that you stayed for another episode here and I'm super happy to talk to you again next week. All the best and much love from me.